So this year, QuickBooks Connect, you may have seen on social media, uh, they had Ryan Reynolds out, the one and only. They always have like big name, I don't know, uh, celebs at QuickBooks Connect. Arguably, this is like the biggest one that they had. So they spent a half hour talking to Ryan Reynolds about accounting and entrepreneurship. What could that guy possibly have to say about running accounting firms? Not a ton directly. He was kind of talking about like his entrepreneurial journey, but uh, some really interesting tidbits from that conversation, specifically five that apply to accounting firms, how we run them, kind of our decision-making framework, and many of the blockers that he faced that are the exact same as the blockers that a UNI face. So let's talk about it. What in the world does Ryan Reynolds have to say about running accounting firms? Thank you, Jason Daly House Band, bringing them holiday vibes. Uh, so I got to do the Ryan Reynolds meet and greet as I shared. I think it was last Friday. Uh, super cool. There's two people in this world that I super fanboy over, Ryan Reynolds and Donald Glover. And at the conference, holy geez, like there were people lined up clear down the hall and around the corner like 45 minutes before this talk even started. So like obviously this was like, top billing like they were really pushing that they had ryan reynolds there what a life that guy lives earlier that day in vegas he was doing another sit down at a conference that day he also shot a thing with the alpine f1 team who was there because the vegas f1 race was right after that the next morning he accepted a an award in uh vancouver where he grew up and then from there, he flew out to London to keep shooting, uh, to, to restart shooting Deadpool 3 because the, the actor strike had just ended at the time. Busy boy. Like, that just blows my mind. But the conversation was, uh, I don't know, there wasn't any like super big brain moments in this conversation at QuickBooks Connect. Uh, but it was more like, like in the past, they've had like Malcolm Gladwell and Simon Sinek and stuff like that. And those guys always have like, I don't know, really th things that really hit. But on the, for Ryan Reynolds, it's like, it's the delivery that's just like, obviously so perfect. Like he is the goat on late night talk show formats where he can do that interview and it's really funny. So nothing that he said to me was like super groundbreaking, but I thought it was really interesting how he shared his journey uh, from like, you know, being an improv guy that moved to LA not knowing anyone to now like, the Deadpool movies and the number of brands that he's invested in and promoted and then sold, like how he got into those things really in the last, I don't know, five to seven years, not knowing anything about it and like pushing through all of those sort of self-limiting beliefs that tell you like, who am I to do this thing? This isn't something that I could actually do well. Like that was really interesting because it's very practical for everybody in entrepreneurship like whether you're an SMB or a celeb or anything like that. And so I summarize that kind of my main takeaways from that talk into five points. Number one, uh, stop planning so hard. Uh, he says the biggest problem that Hollywood has is uh, that of having too much time and too much money. He's got a basically a media company that does like the commercials that you've probably seen for Mint Mobile and American Aviation Gym and all that stuff. And that, like the whole premise of that media company, it's also the media company that's put together the, the Deadpool movies. He really pushed that uh, planning oftentimes like super gets in the way of success. Uh, and that the more you think about it and the more you 
plan like ultimately it just gets in the way of you actually doing the thing. He had worked on getting the Deadpool movie made for about 10 years before it got greenlit. And when it did get greenlit, uh, it was like they were given a super shoestring budget. So they had to get really creative with how you would shoot a superhero movie like that. And like, let's not lose perspective of the fact that this was coming off of Green Lantern, where he was like the lead superhero guy. And it was like a catastrophic bomb. Uh, but he's going to go back out and now shop this uh, Deadpool movie and somehow get people to get behind it. And it actually wasn't until they, quote unquote, leaked a couple minutes of footage, which is like he stole the costume and went out with his production partner and they just shot a few funny things and leaked it online. And uh, the like groundswell of community support and excitement around that leaked footage, he says is ultimately what got it made. And if you think about what it would take to like get the get permission to go do that thing. Like I love it as an example of just running out and trying something and seeing what happens. And now like the Deadpool movies aside, I think they also did what's that movie he's got on Netflix, the Adam project. But those projects aside, most of what they do is produce commercials. And he says, and this was the second takeaway I had. He loves working on ads specifically because ads are like, kind of ephemeral. Like nobody's looking back and saying, oh, that that 1998 Downey commercial, that was that was the peak. That was as good as it gets. Nobody's saying that. You make a commercial uh, and it goes through and it makes people aware of something and then they move on with their lives. And it, like, it's not this stain on your reputation like films can be. But the more like money and planning and complication that goes into producing anything, the less you're actually doing of the thing. And we talk a lot about how I think accountants need to be leaning into social media more to attract uh, somebody who feels the pains you solve more acutely. And social media is so the same way. Like it is just about turning up and being consistent and being there. But what stops us from doing that is all the planning and the complexity we like to build up around it. The notion that you have to have this like process and and process can certainly be helpful where um you know creativity isn't always flowing super easily but process can also super get in the way and complicate something that is probably at its best when it's like there's that shower thought moment and you just got a killer idea for something impactful or something funny or, or something along those lines but what gets in the way of all that is like structure and time and money and People like to ask like, oh, do you have a ghostwriter? Do you have a social media manager? Do you, you know, what does your video editing team look like? And all of that. And most of the time when people are, frame, are posing these questions, they've never even done the most basic version of it themselves. And like, that's, that is always the place to start. Like how scrappy, how scrappily can you do it? Gang, this episode is sponsored in part by LiveFlow. Uh, LiveFlow is the easiest way to sync that QuickBooks data back and forth to your spreadsheets. You may see this actually had a big announcement lately. So this fall, G2 gave them the top spot in their fall 2023 report as the leader in the financial analysis category. That's right, they won. Number one, nice work. Uh, if you've been around my channels for a while, you've seen LifeFloat kindly, they have sponsored quite a bit of stuff. 
And I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying I'm taking credit for it, but that was probably why. If not familiar with LiveFlow, super easy way to sync that stuff, sync your QuickBooks data back and forth with Google Sheets. They got a whole pile of templates too to make the process of building that stuff for the first time as easy as possible for you. Stuff for managing cash, AP, KPIs, like everything you can imagine. Sync that data into your existing sheets to make them smarter, get it to auto-sync or build your like custom new sheets that talk with QuickBooks totally from scratch. Uh, pretty cool tool. Check that one out at liveflow.io. This episode is sponsored in part by the lovely folks at Copilot who know that the way that we present ourselves online is is truly tr- truly a reflection of our essence as super cool, modern, forward-looking accountants. Uh, and I can tell you, most of the tools that we use and the ways that, for example, tax software vendors want us to present ourselves to our clients, it is it is nothing remotely cool, nothing remotely modern. And this is where Copilot comes in. It is everything you need from a client portal, all in one place. Soup's modern, super impressive. They got a lot of cool little things like, what if your client doesn't want to message you in the portal? Well, you send them a message in the portal, client's getting an email. They can literally just reply to that email and that message will come back up, show up in the portal just from them sending an email. And they're not gonna tell you what that ought to look like. Like the name of the game here with Copilot is customization. The notion that you can actually customize what your clients see, all the little nav options on the left, fully customizable. What shows up on the right? They got some cool built-in stuff, but you can also extend it with external like third-party things like Airtable or Notion, embed the stuff that you want to directly into there. Even on a client by client or client group basis, you can change what people see. Because your needs today, buddy, Listen, they may not be the same as your needs tomorrow. Now, do you want to be locked into a a super rigid system that isn't going to adapt and and nicely fit around the contours of your accounting firm? No, we want we want flexibility, right? Is that too much to ask for? If you're into that kind of thing, check out the link to Copilot in the show notes. Third takeaway I had: scarcity is the mother of invention. With that Deadpool movie, like they ju- the budget they had was paltry, so there were different things they were doing with visual effects than other folks had done before to make it all feel big and more grandiose than uh, they could actually shoot it to be. It was also very character-driven, like much more character-driven than how superhero movies at the time were, where they were huge and and more kind of Michael Bayish and heavy on the the really like over-the-top stuff. Uh, Deadpool, by comparison, was very much about like a small cast of characters. And that's pretty simple. That's easy to shoot. And I see crossovers here to how you run a business when you find some success and then you pay for a solution that might be expensive. You know, if you go back to your very early days of firm running when you didn't have the money for like this really expensive senior hire, like how did you get by doing that work? Like when the when the resources just aren't there to do the thing, there's usually another way to do the thing. In fact, the bigger you get and the more money you have where maybe you don't notice quite as much when it's like leaking out of the business, oftentimes the more inefficient you get. So if you look at like my YouTube channel and you're like, I want to do the exact same thing Jason's doing for some reason, uh, but I want to do it, you know, better. Like, how am I going to do that? Because they've got all this, you know, production team and great equipment and stuff like that. Your advantage to me is the more I've developed that and the more complicated it's gotten, the slower we are. The fact that like those videos are on like 
you know, two-week production cycles now. Whereas before, when I was making my very first videos, it was me sitting down in front of a laptop webcam. So I think it's it's interesting. It's always worth challenging, how would we get this thing done if we had like a tenth the means? Because there's usually another way. And I've paid this tax before. The tax of, I have this painful problem that I need to solve and I can like go to an agency for, you know, design or video editing or, or something like that. And it's going to cost me a pretty penny, but I know that it will get done. Interestingly, like I've actually appreciated having a um, having a view into the processes of those agencies to understand how they get that work done before ultimately bringing that stuff in house and and like building a design team internally and an editing team internally and all that. In most cases, like be it the cost of your tax software or how you manage projects or what you can get done with that next hire. Oftentimes the, I don't know, the common wisdom is like overly complicated, I think, and overly reliant on human expertise, I would say. Actually, we we often overhire expertise due to a lack of systems. And we talked a bit about this yesterday when it came to how to build technical review processes that like your admins could help out with. It is really easy for me to hire admin folks, to hire killer like offshore operations folks. So the more that I can build my business uh, in a way that leans into that, from the services we offer to uh, how standardized we are about how we get the work done, to maybe not going down the advisory path because that's harder to systematize and instead going down this other path where it's a, it's a pain that's specific to my clients, but one that a team of offshore people could fulfill. When you're forced to be scrappy, like I think it it changes, I don't know, how you strategize and, and all that. But the bigger and the more successful and the more mature you get, the more I think you can kind of slip into this complacency that is kind of slow and oftentimes overpaying. And that is where like profits start disappearing. And I think the business gets a little bit less interesting because you're not having to be scrappy. I got a, a ton of examples of this in the stuff that I do now. Running the firm, though, I had examples, too, of like doing work with agencies, uh, different types of outsourcing options where in a pinch, those like came through for us in a big way. But long term, we basically just ended up building like our own sort of similar internal outsourcing options, if that makes sense, like through building our own offshore team. But all that was learned through iteration and like trying to challenge I don't know, challenge the notions of what exactly we needed, how much technical expertise was required because that was always our bottleneck was like really high level technical people. Gang, this episode sponsored in part by TeamUp, who helps you recruit top Filipino accountants without any zero ongoing monthly fees. They can source accountants with experience working at US or Australian firms. People who are familiar with stuff like Zero, QBO, Dex, they can find them for you. They can also recruit specialist roles like a team lead, people with leadership experience, even US tax specialists. Wow, we, most talented and ambitious accountants in the Philippines, want to work with you directly, not through an outsourcing company for two main reasons. One, they don't want to give a big chunk of their salary to a middleman, oftentimes upwards of 50%, and they want to build a long-lasting relationship with their employer. Oh. 
These are the people team up can recruit for you for a flat one-time fee and then connect you with an affordable employer of record as well if you need help with payroll and compliance. Learn more at their site, hireteamup.com and get on their newsletter for quick tips on managing overseas teams. Stuff like cultural miscommunications, best practices, everything you need to know to get started hiring offshore. You already know I'm down with offshore hiring. Learn more at hireteamup.com. This episode is sponsored in part by the fine folks at Cloud Accountant Staffing. Do you hire accountants? Bless your little heart. Uh, Not the best part of the job, in my opinion. Not something I ever enjoyed. Well, listen, you can build your accounting dream team with talented offshore accountants in the Philippines that work 100% full-time for your firm. Their accountants aren't freelancing or contracting for multiple firms. They're all yours. They work exclusively for you and are incentivized to stay with you and your team long-term. They're not going to get swiped. Cloud Account Staffing is 100% dedicated to the accounting industry and founded by a former accounting firm owner that understands your business, knows your pain points. They had to hire some accountants and they said, you know what, we're going to build our own pipeline in the Philippines, going to pull in some super talented people and then open that up to other firms. Basically, that's the story. Uh, I've been talking about a lot about staffing, building more resilient staffing pipelines for your firms. I, I had staff in the Philippines, at, like totally red-pilled me to like, oh, geez, like we need to globalize the way that we get our work done. Uh, check these folks out. Link in the show description, cloudaccountantstaffing.com. My fourth takeaway, uh, just tell a story. We try to focus on these kind of, I don't know, big brain, mega resource roundups, all these different things when... Uh, like his Ryan Reynolds approach to promoting his brands is more just tell a story and put the product in the ad. And in our case, I think our expertise is the product. So we oftentimes get fixated on uh, having a something razzle dazzle or impressive or novel to say, when sometimes all you got to do is like, tell the story of the problem that your product solves or your expertise solves. A, a like killer example of this that was went super viral was it, it was maybe last holiday season so peloton you may have seen this peloton puts out this ad for peloton like the exercise bike and this guy i can't remember what it is but this guy buys his wife a peloton bike and then is like all encouraging her to like exercise and all these things and it all came off like real like not great. Like there was some backlash to that. Like it just, it was, uh, felt a little like, uh, dude objectifying his wife, getting her to be more fit. And this blew up like in Peloton's face in a big way. And in a shockingly short turnaround, Ryan Reynolds production company goes out, hires the actor, the woman who had been in this ad and was like the wife, they shoot a super low budget, like hacked together ad with her sitting at a bar, like chin rested in her hand, like she's, you know, exhausted or overwhelmed or like what's happening to me. Flanked by a friend on either side who are like kind of encouraging her, like, you know, everything's going to be okay. This is going to blow over. And the, the moment you see her, like, you know, if you're aware of this Peloton commercial thing, like, oh my gosh, this is the same lady. And as it's pulling out, like there's an aviation American gin bottle in shot. And then it like cuts to like an end card of Aviation American Gin with like some sort of tagline or something. And you hear one of her friends say, but you look great, which is like, was just the best punchline 
for this whole arc of Peloton making this commercial about this guy giving his wife a bike and, and telling her, oh, you're doing a great job of being fit now, to that blowing up and this poor lady, like the actor being in the middle of all of this stuff blowing up and like she is the face of this now, to like, I think it was like within 72 hours or something like that, they had put this commercial together and released it and it's the same lady. And she, I don't even think she said a single thing in the commercial. Like it was just her and her friends were saying things. And it was like a 30 second ad and it was huge. And what the hell did it have to do with American Aviation Gin? Like absolutely nothing, but they got so much earned media from that. And like it was in the commercial and like they were the ones to think of putting that commercial together and all that. But just by being the one to tell the story, like they got they got all of the upside from that. Like they were the ones to benefit. So do we need to be useful and like providing value and all that stuff? Yes, but like oftentimes it can be as simple as telling a story. And so this could be, you know, something a client got wrong and you help them through that or common questions you get from clients. Like tell the story, your expertise is the product and you don't really have to think overthink how you inject yourself into that. Like sometimes the story is enough and it actually connects with people much better than something that feels like, I don't know, trying to sell people on something. Fifth and final takeaway, uh, failures are absolutely gonna happen. So he had worked to get this Deadpool movie made for 10 years, came on the heels of the Green Lantern movie, totally bombing. But does anybody really think about that now when they think about Ryan Reynolds? Like, I don't think they do. Think about what a long arc that is. Think about trying to get something made for a decade. What's the last thing you tried to do in your accounting firm for a decade before finally getting over the hump and it happening? Like that is a long, long time horizon for my little millennial brain to imagine. And so what does failure look like for us like over the course of running our accounting firms? Probably stuff like picking the wrong niche, hiring the wrong person, not deciding to hire when you should have hired, hiring when maybe that wasn't the right answer, giving clients the wrong advice, like sending them on the wrong path. It's absolutely gonna happen. That's just part of the game though. And it feels like oftentimes this huge monumental thing that will like crush you and you will never recover from it. Or the prospect of failure is something that is so spooky that you can't even imagine starting down that path in the event that you do fail. But on the other side of that is, is a better, more capable version of you. Whether you uh, fail or whether you are successful, you want to be the person that's like not afraid to try these things. Because on the other side of that, even if you did fail, you're better than the person that didn't try. And honestly, like nobody remembers that stuff. Like there's, cer there's certain things that are like inexcusable. Like you have your Enrons of the world where it's like, good luck ever getting out from under that. But that's not really like our lives. And the result is like, we need to be leaning into change and risk taking, I think maybe a little more than we are naturally, than like our natural tendencies have us do. Have us do look at me make word good. So it requires like pushing ourselves, I guess, a little more outside of our comfort zone especially in, in firms like tax firms where they're on kind of this annual change cycle. So it already feels like everything is evolving really slowly. Just accept the fact that failures are gonna happen along the way and they're not gonna define you. If anything, they're gonna define you in like a more positive light because of what's possible on the other side of that failure that would not have been possible had you not been willing to fail. Uh, bravo to Intuit 
for getting old Ryan Reynolds out. Uh, I bet that was a, uh, it was a big check, big check, but uh, that was uh, a lot of fun. QuickBooks Connect is probably the, like, of the U.S. conferences I go to is arguably the best hang. Like, there are a lot of people there from small firms specifically, like the type of folks you bump into online. And that makes that one feel like a really unique, really unique get-together. Had a lot of fun with that one this year. Uh, I'm going to be at Digital back in the freaking same bloody place, the Aria in Vegas, uh, next week. If you're going to be at Digital... uh, Track me down. I got a couple sessions there. Would love to meet you. Met a ton of super cool people at QuickBooks Connect who listen to the pod. Thank you for not being weirdos. Thank you for introducing yourself. Uh, But this chat with Ryan Reynolds was actually a ton of fun. And I got the pick to prove it at the meet and greet. I just wish they didn't put the QuickBooks Connect thing over your head at the meet and greet. Like they're, I get that they're taking credit for you getting to have a picture with this person. But it would just be much cooler if I could just like whip it out and be like, hey, hey, look, I met Ryan, me and Ryan, we know each other. And instead it's like this very branded thing, but I get it. They had to get some sort of credit for cutting that check, right? Any other folks that were at QBC, I know a lot of you listen here, would love to see your thoughts. Like, what did you think of that session? They, bless their hearts, before they interviewed Ryan Reynolds, they made other people go on stage for like 30, 40 minutes when everyone is very obviously there for that talk. So they put like Shane Mason and Kenji Kiramoto, like they interviewed a few accountants on stage before that. And you want to talk about the worst speaking gig you can imagine having to go on stage when everyone is there to see Ryan Reynolds and he's on right after you. Absolutely brutal. That's all I got for today. Got a super fun one in the can for tomorrow that I think you will like. And then Friday, we're doing a Q&A like we do every week. Got any cues? Drop them in the comments. We'll be sure to pull them into that episode. And I'll see you in the next one. 